whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and this is episode 88 of the Man with the Plan podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, subscribe if you're new and tell your friends about the show. Thank you as always. Let's get into it. Today, we're going to talk all things NBA Finals, Boston Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors in what should be an incredible series. I am so, so pumped for this, guys. Last year, we got to preview the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks that resulted in the Bucks winning in six and Giannis cementing himself as an NBA champion and one of the greatest players in NBA history, capping off a 50-point performance for the ages. And that was a great series. Hopefully, this one will be similar in a very competitive back and forth goes blow for blow. I'm excited for it, guys. You know I am. Obviously, you can see the hat. This has been a whirlwind roller coaster of a season for me as a Celtics fan and as a Celtics fan in the playoffs, which whew, it's crazy. So how are we going to split up today? We're going to go through three segments. We're going to go from my YouTube audience. You're going to get three separate videos with this. You're going to get my Celtics. It's more of like a retrospective on how they got there, what I like about them in this series, what I don't like about them. For each team, I'm going to go through what, how they got there, stuff like that. So it's going to be more retrospective type thing. But at the same time, it's going to kind of cover what I like and what I don't like about them in kind of a concise way. Not as concise as that, though, of course. But then we're going to do a pretty good go. So I'm, I think I'm going to go Boston. We're going to go Golden State. And then we're going to go into my series prediction, how I think this series will play out and a very quick way to end the show. And then we're going to wrap it up and we'll wait for this episode will be posted Thursday morning for game one of the NBA finals. So we'll see if I'm right. Super excited to do it. Let's get started, guys. Enjoy episode 88. And of course, subscribe for more. Let's get started. How the Boston Celtics, one of the most incredible turnarounds in NBA history, how they got here. All right. So we're going to start with, well, my team, the Boston Celtics. So as you guys know, I, I'm not very vocal about it. I don't like to talk about like, I don't want to do too much of it. It's kind of like, especially when you guys know where I stand on things. I'm a Clemson student. I'm a Boston sports fan. So I kind of have to mold the two worlds together and put them away whenever I start talking about this stuff, because I want to be able to be, I want to be neutral. I want to be able to provide a clear sense of what you guys want to see. I want to be able to, to articulate my opinions in a way where you guys go, Oh, he's just a homer. Or he's just this. He's that. I don't want to be like that to you guys. So in this section, I'll try not to be too much of a fanboy, but boy, was I happy on Sunday night. So how the Celtics got here, I want to start in the summer. So it was a crazy, crazy summer because Brad Stevens announced that he was basically retiring from coaching. He was done with it after the bubble. The just toll that it took on him this those last two years were just insanity for him he could not really just I don't think it's not necessarily that he could take it I think he was clearly capable of coaching again in a quality manner he just wanted to move on to a different type of role and he became the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics and it really took off from there he made trades for Al Horford the roster went through an unbelievable amount of shuffling they signed guys like Dennis Schroeder Josh Richardson, they brought back the guy, Al Horford. I like, I'm just like, and in the, in the middle of like, I think it was August, everyone was like, what in the heck are, is Boston doing? This is a team that had a lot of question marks going into the season. They hired a new coach, Ime Udoka, who comes from the Greg Popovich coaching tree. So there was a lot of good, but there was also a lot of question marks. Where was this team going? How long would it take for this team to get back to a place like the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble? The Heat were getting better. The Sixers were getting better. The Bucs had just come off an NBA championship. 
the pressure was on and the Jays were only going to get older and this were going to, and in turn only going to get more expensive. And it was not the best start ever. I remember watching, it was an overtime loss to the Knicks where Jalen Brown had a fantastic game. Tatum was fine. And the roster just looked incomplete. It looked like it had a lack of direction. In the beginning, they started 18 and 21. And the rumors, legitimate rumors about breaking up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that this duo couldn't play together. You had guys like Marcus Smart calling them out. And they had to really reinvent themselves. They just started to bring everything into the paint with Robert Williams. They had this death lineup of a sense. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Robert Williams. They make 35-year-old Al Horford switch on to guards too. Like everybody has a role to play in defense. I can't necessarily repeat it, but Jason Tatum said it on an interview on the Volume Podcast Network with Colin Coward in his interview with Draymond Green. The guys on this team give a you-know-what about playing defense. And they say, when you got guys like 35-year-old Al Horford switching on to guards and doing well, there's no excuse for a guy like year two or year three to be able to do some of that stuff. So the culture that Ime wanted to bring in, he wanted Jason and Jalen to be more of playmakers instead of trying to do it themselves, spread out the ball, distribute. This team took an evolution, an unprecedented evolution. It was one of the craziest turnarounds in NBA history. And still, I think the consensus is with that Boston was a team that probably had a schedule that was had a lot of good things about them, but they were going to run into somebody eventually that was going to catch them off guard, that was going to catch them on a bad day. And some days they did, some days they didn't. Boston ended up with the second seed in the Eastern Conference where they played the Brooklyn Nets, where a lot of people thought they've met their match. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, ironically, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving left the Warriors and the Celtics respectively. And now both those teams are in the finals years later. Interesting to think about. So this team went through a lot of roster shuffles, added pieces like Derek White, moved off pieces like Langford, Schroeder, Jabari Parker, Anis Cantor, Josh Richardson. Think about that. And even Joe Johnson was on this team at one point. I saw Joe was on this team. The Celtics found a way. They found a way to work and make it work. It started with a buzzer beater from Tatum in game one. And it's come to all the way down to a game seven in Miami off the heel of Max Struess. And the mystery of Jimmy Butler, the Boston Celtics are here. So what do I like about Boston this series? Obviously, you have to start with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. What they've been able to do this series, when they're on, they're on. They're pretty much some of the best scorers in the NBA. The things that they're able to do with the basketball, it's unbelievable. It's hard to explain. It's kind of like a magic trick in a way. And we're going to talk about magic with the Warriors really soon. But what they've been able to do, they've been able to step up in terms of leadership, in terms of moving the ball. That is what I like about when Jason and Jalen are on, they are unstoppable. And one of the things that you have to mention is Al Horford. One of the things that Al Horford does in a lot of ways, similar to Draymond Green, is that's that anchor. He's not going to give you 25 points a night. He's not going to give you this crazy, crazy dunk or this crazy three. He's there. He's stable. He brings that stability, that presence to kind of calm everybody down when things aren't going a certain way. Marcus Smart does that in a way, too, on his defense. And occasionally, offensively, Marcus Mark can give you 20-22. But what Horford did for this team, there's an infamous clip of him like, mm-hmm, okay, Giannis just obliterated him on a dunk. And Horford's like, okay, that's fine. Let's, let's go for it. And Horford, two quarters later, does the same thing and won. Boston wins a crucial game for him, Milwaukee, and ties up the series. It's those things that Al Horford does. It's the little things. It may not pop up on the stat sheet, and his little goofy face may not pop up on that stat sheet. 
But what that kind of does, how do you react to certain moments defines a playoff run. And I think it did in large part that way. That's what I love about Boston. They're stable. They're here. They've got their leadership. They've got this culture that they finally bought into. I love that about them. What I don't like (laughs) and often frustrated by, sometimes I think Boston is a little too reliant on this drive and kick, and they get a little sloppy with the ball. Mainly Jason Tatum, mainly Jalen Brown. It is like a double-edged sword, the side of the same coin. One way you're like, oh, great. And another way you're like, you just don't even want to watch. There was a game in game three in this series against Miami where Boston had 23 turnovers. And I think the points off turnovers were ridiculous. It was something like that. I don't know if it was 23 for sure, but it was something insane. And so Boston has to take care of the basketball. It's the same with Golden State too. The way they play their offense, it's prone to turnovers. And when turnovers happen, it's easier for the opposing offense to be able to score. And Boston struggled massively with games and certain moments playing tight, playing They kind of shrink in big moments. There was game seven where they had an 11-point lead within a minute, little over a minute left, and it was gone in an instant. Boston's got to take care of their end-game situation better. they got to take care of the basketball better. And they overall just need to be able to move the ball, play their game, and they'll be fine. There's a lot to like with Boston. There's an incredible turnaround. Regardless of what happens, I think this is a team that can get to the finals consistently, but we're going to see. They are now going to be running into the – three-headed monster of Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green with a couple extra heads of like Kaminga, Otto Porter, Gary Payton, Jordan Poole, like all the, all the fun guys of this monster that is Golden State. Golden State reinvented themselves, but they're back. And let's talk about them. The Golden State Warriors, the pretty much Mount Rushmore, the example of what ba- great basketball organization should be, how they're run. Ever since I've been in middle school, they have been the pretty much the thing. Like they've always been there. They're so consistent. It's crazy. And so Golden State, how they got here, it's kind of an interesting story. They feel like they've always been there. I went to the finals so many times to play the Cavs. This is the first time the Warriors haven't played the Cavs in the finals. Isn't that crazy? It's another Eastern Conference team that's played LeBron a lot of times, but it's not the Cavs. Not the Cavs. And that's that's nice. That's nice. But anyways. Golden State, when I was, I think, sixth grade, I was on a trip to Hawaii, and that was, I think, their first finals appearance. Yeah, something like that. I, I, my, my timeline might be completely – no, it was seventh grade. No, no. And my timeline's regardless, there was a finals appearance series in Hawaii where they were going on this incredible run. It was the 3-1 year. It was crazy. Golden State, my entire – basically, since I've been into sports, Golden State has been the example – and. Basically, it's been Golden State and it's been New England as the example of how franchises should be run and how to win multiple championships in a span of decades. Like it has been the standard for so many, so many, so long in my life. It's crazy to think about how it's just continuously influenced the sports world. Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, that three-headed monster's always been there. They added a little bit of spice with Kevin Durant and won a couple championships. But the team core, the culture, it always stayed intact. But the question was, when Katie left, how does this team figure it out? After the Toronto series, Klay Thompson tore his ACL. It was brutal. Klay Thompson's a warrior. And this is a Warriors team where I don't hate any of these players. I, I never was like, man, they win all the time too much. They were really fun to watch. It was insane how they were able to bring everything together. Steph Curry, fantastic guy. Draymond Green, one of the most 
well-spoken guys. You should really check out his podcast on the volume. I keep mentioning the volume because I was listening to it on my car ride home from Clemson yesterday, but he's really well-spoken and he's fun to watch. He's a personality. It's kind of the Rodman to the Jordan Pippen. Like if you're mixing it into a bowl or a pot, that's who you create. You create Draymond Green, who's a little better offensively than, than uh, Dennis Rodman, but brings you that same energy, that same passion without all the distractions of going to clubs and stuff like what we saw in the last dance. So it's kind of like that. So like I've said, they've been consistency my entire life, and here they are again. They pretty much took a two-year hibernation where they kind of built up draft picks and reworked their roster. And I was more impressed with them last season than I am now, and that's crazy to say is because what Steph Curry did, I continue to argue he should have won MVP last year, and obviously this finals run is nothing but impressive. But it showed you that if they could get healthy again, they were going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. And they were. They pretty much put together the same formula, Steph Curry, once Klay Thompson came back, the emergence of Jordan Poole. They've been able to do so many different things, but at the same time, it's still them. It's a reinvention, and I'll title it, the Warriors have reinvented themselves and they're back, something like that. But they're still the same Golden State, just a little different. And not just because they're in a different stadium or the Warrior, their logo looks slightly different on the font, but they're here and they're playing the Boston Celtics. What do I like about them? Well, they've been here. They've been there, done that. This experience in this series, it's 143 total games played to zero. That's going to matter. This is the biggest stage in basketball and being able to say, hey, we know what to expect. The lights aren't going to bother us. We're going to be fine. Go out swinging, go out shooting, do what we do. That's important. And maybe it's not going to be as big as I believe it'll be, but I really like what this experience brings. And number two is Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. What they do together is... Nothing short of incredible. What Stephen Curry does is nothing short of incredible. The way he's able to shoot, the way he's able to drive, kick out to guys like Clay Thompson, who continues to look better. He shot better in the postseason. I believe it's a couple percentage points, but it's still better. Draymond Green brings you that consistency, like I said about Al Horford. He's that anchor, the emergence of Jordan Poole. When you can have a guy like Stephen Curry, and I think it's really going to be understated in the national media, when you have a guy like Stephen Curry who's willing to sit on the bench, watch Jordan Poole, one of his who is going to probably be the guy that replaces him in the end when Stephen Curry calls it quits ball out. And you can say, Hey, I, I just need to play 18 minutes. I'm not hundred percent yet. Being able to set aside something like that in your ego. It's crazy. That's just who Stephen Curry is. He doesn't need to win six trillion MVP trophies. He's just what golden state needs him to be. It's like Tom Brady in a way. It's crazy. And I think we did a whole little thing about the Suns and how Chris Paul was Tom Brady with the bucks and I wasn't right in the end because the Bucks ended up losing. But <laughs> things end up working out. I, I think the Tom Brady comparison, I don't want to try to throw around too often, especially in the sport of basketball when it's just completely different. But Steph Curry, in a way, reminds me of it. And I enjoy that. But what I like about them, they've been there, done that. They can do so many different things. And their experience is going to matter. What I don't like, the turnovers. Sometimes I feel the live by the three, die by the three. It's not as often with Golden State, but when they can't shoot, it's really ugly. And they've had tendencies in these games, especially against the Mavericks, to let guys like Luka Doncic do whatever the heck he wants. And I think with a guy like Jason Tatum, who if you give him space, he's going to punish you. And like Jalen Brown, if you give him space, he's going to punish you. If you let guys like that play freely, it's going to get them comfortable in a series where this is an unfamiliar environment to them. The NBA Finals, this is their first time. They can't allow the guys like him like him and Tatum, to get comfortable. 
They got to be able to get in their face, play some hard defense, get guys like Wiggins and Draymond on them. They're going to have to really do that. They have to put it all together. Turnovers, it's just like Boston. They play a little loose with the ball, and it creates opportunities. It didn't hurt Golden State as much as it did Boston because I think Golden State has a little more of that oomph to them in a way. But the turnovers, they got to be able to cut that out. It's really going to be interesting because Boston is the best defense in the NBA and Golden State is the best offense in the NBA. So it's the 1v1. Usually the defense wins that. We'll see how that goes. All right, guys, take a short break. So when I return, we're going to talk about my prediction for the finals, how I think each game is going to kind of play out in a really quick way. And that's how we'll wrap up the show. Thank you, guys. Let's do this. All right, let's predict this thing. And with a really just like these last couple of weeks, you're a fan of Star Wars, Stranger Things, basketball. You've got a lot to really like look forward to. And the match is currently going on right now. I'm going to watch that as I edit this stuff. But we're really spoiled as a little, little thing right now. It's been kind of fun. I'm really enjoying it. But uh, let's let's really talk about this series. So the thing about the NBA Finals that's like unique to the Super Bowl is with Super Bowl, you get one shot to kind of figure out how this is going to go. We have max of seven, and you guys know that, obviously. But the series could change in so many different ways. So many different players could step up. We could have Derek White drop 35 one night, or Kevon Looney has a 20-20 double-double type thing. Uh, those are crazy potential stuff, but you never know. So let's just talk how this game's going to go. I'm not going to go super in-depth because I kind of want to leave a little bit of a mystery because I could change my mind, and I will potentially at some point. All right, I'm going to kind of inverse it. I think games one through four are going to split. I think that Boston's going to take games one and games four. I think Golden State's going to take two and three. I think that Boston's going to, in a way, be in rhythm, and the moment at first is not going to be too terribly big. And I know I've been talking about how the moment is important. It's going to be there in a second. It's going to go 2-2. Two, two. Boston's going to steal game one, and I think Golden State's going to have the desperation to take two and three in Boston when it gets back there, I think on Wednesday. This series is spread out, by the way. Boston, with their backs against the wall, cannot go back to Golden State. They're going to tie it up 2-2. I think Golden State takes game three or game five, and Boston takes six. And I think in game seven, it's going to be close. It's going to come down to the wire. But I think the excellent pairing of Steph Curry and what, what Steph Curry and God, I can't Steph Curry and Clay Thompson bring to the table it's just going to be a hole. It's going to be too much. I think the Boston's going to put up a fantastic fight, but in the end, it's going to come down to a couple plays here and there. I could see a turnover happening. I could see a, a four shot. Just the Golden State's going to be able to say, hey, we've been in a finals game seven. We know what to do. I think it's going to be a great series. I say Warriors in seven. The hat, like I feel sacrilegious, but like, hey, it's fine. Warriors in seven, I'm going to be open to changing my mind depending on how this series goes, but I'm going to take Boston in game one to steal and see how the series unravels from there. So, guys, that was my quick prediction on the NBA Finals and overall my retrospective kind of review of everything that's happened. Guys, if you enjoyed, subscribe, and really tell your friends about this stuff. This podcast has gained in a lot, a massive amount of listeners and followers. We're close to 7,000 listeners, and we're going to break that record like it's nothing. Can't wait for it. Guys, thank you so much. Subscribe for more. Leave a review. You guys know what to do. Thank you, guys. Have a great week, and take care. Mm-hmm.